Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost. This week's question comes from Sailor, and it goes like this. Hi, Jessica. I love the podcast and look forward to listening in. You've definitely become part of my Sunday ritual. Please keep my birth, time, and location private. I found astrology after a very turbulent time in my life and have pursued it for four years simultaneously with my undergraduate degree, and now I'm working on becoming a professional astrologer and engaging with the community in that capacity, while also studying and preparing for medical school, and I feel at odds. Although my own spiritual beliefs have not felt at odds with my academics and so forth, externally, I'm afraid of judgment from medical schools and academic peers all the time. I'm aware of the strong opposition in my chart and consider that to play a role. Is there a way to appease both planets? Is balance a realistic approach? So this is a great question and congratulations on becoming a doctor and also an astrologer to very exciting life paths and two life paths that do not need to be at odds with each other because there is the field of medical astrology, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend for you if you're only about four years into your study, but uh, it's definitely a direction to point yourself in because as a doctor, you will be very fucking equipped to use astrology in that way. So that's exciting. I will say you refer to the opposition in your birth chart as though there was one. So I don't know exactly what you mean. In your birth chart, you have the planet Jupiter sitting opposite Venus, Mercury, and the sun. And this is such a lovely couple of oppositions. Having a stellium in Virgo, because even though Jupiter isn't opposite it, you also have the moon in Virgo. Having a stellium in Virgo is just so inquisitive. It is the astrology behind why you have such strong interests and you've taken the steps to really educate yourself about your interests. Super cool. The fact that Jupiter is opposite Venus, Mercury, and the sun reiterates that. Jupiter has a thirst for knowledge and the big picture of things. And so while certainly Virgo can get caught up in details, certainly having this many planets in Virgo, can get us caught up in details. When you have that Jupiter opposition, it gives you a thirst for big picture knowledge and for the synthesis of details. So in the realm of oppositions, this is quite a desirable one. And I say one, even though it's literally three oppositions, not one opposition. Nothing in these oppositions is likely to make you worried about what other people think of you. Listen, having a bunch of Virgo in your chart, sure, that'll do it, but not the opposition itself. Similarly, having Jupiter opposite all these planets doesn't concern me in any way for your reputation. Uh, this tends to be a lucky aspect. And you know me, I'm not a big believer in luck, although of course luck exists, but regardless of whether luck is real or it is a coincidence or it's an attitude, whatever, whatever it may be, these oppositions in no way suggest that you pursuing your interests outside of medical school would lead to some sort of negative consequence for you. In fact, the Jupiter oppositions tends to mean that you can kind of do what you want to do in life. And, you know, so far so good, right? That's what you're doing right now. And it seems to be working. 
Now, the one opposition that I do see in your chart, the only remaining opposition, is between Saturn, a planet, and your midheaven, which is not a planet. It's a point. And this is the thing in your birth chart that is fucking you up, my friend. So Saturn opposite the midheaven is also Saturn conjunct the IC, right? So in astrology, we focus on the four angles of the birth chart, and we call them the ascendant, the IC, the descendant, and the midheaven, or the MC. So having Saturn sitting opposite your midheaven is a very big deal, my friend. It's a big deal. That part of you is the part that is deeply concerned about being judged by other people, that is concerned about your reputation, that is concerned that if you do things, whether they're authentic to you or not, that they will cost you a price that you don't want to pay in the straight world or the normie world. And this is a difficult aspect because Saturn governs reality. The reason why you have these concerns is pretty good. I mean, there's great reasons why you have these concerns. You know, they're all to be seen around the world for you. People can be really judgy. So can academic institutions. I don't know if you're in the U.S., but certainly in the West, people are very judgy about astrology in the medical field and beyond. Not all people, of course, but yeah, broadly speaking, your concern is real. But here's the thing, and this is so important. You have the Saturn opposition to your midheaven, and your midheaven and Saturn both form a square to Uranus in the first house. So we have a T-square in your birth chart, and that is what your question's really about. Because even though you have a really conservative streak, you don't just want to be a doctor, you don't want anyone in your academic field to judge you, right? But you've got that Uranus in the first house in Aquarius as the focal planet to a T-square. And so you're going to do what you're going to do. Pursuing astrology fuck yeah, that makes perfect sense looking at your chart, that this would be a passion of yours. And whether or not you provide services for people, that's a different topic in a way. But the fact that you have passion and talent with astrology and that you are inclined to take that passion and that talent and to organize it into something that you do for a career or for work, because we're dealing with Saturn in the midheaven, makes perfect sense in your birth chart. So here we have the struggle. There's what you think you should do what other people think you should do, your concerns about the consequences of what will others think, right? All of that stuff, Saturn opposite the midheaven. And then there's who you are and what you want to do, what's authentic for you. And this is uncomfortable. And it's going to probably be in some way or another, to some extent or another, uncomfortable long term for you. So the question to be asking yourself is how can you cope with feeling judged? How can you make peace with other people not liking things you do or thinking you're doing stupid shit? Because that is inevitable in life. Every single person has to deal with the judgment of others. And what is very important here is that you consider how much power you are giving to others. And in this moment, these are theoretical people that do not actually exist and judgments that have not literally been laid upon you quite yet, right? How can you bear that other people will think what you're doing is stupid or not smart, or that it will somehow cost you an opportunity or respect somewhere down the line? Because if you're going to bend yourself into a pretzel for what you think other people might think, life is going to be quite difficult for you. 
The thing about this Uranus aspect is that it can lead to anxiety. Now, let me add another layer of complexity, my friends. Saturn and the Midheaven are also square to Neptune. It's an out-of-sign square. In your birth chart, you do not have a Neptune-Uranus conjunction, but the Midheaven and Saturn are also forming a T-square to Neptune, which is also a very anxiety-oriented placement. This is why you're preemptively suffering about other people's judgments that may or may not ever come, right? Both of these placements, Neptune and Uranus in the first house, they indicate a tendency towards anxiety. And this can lead to catastrophizing. And with all that Virgo in your chart, mm, that's just going to help you get there if you're already pointed in that direction. So this is less about astrology and less about medicine and more about how can you support your mental health and your behaviors in a way that allows you to live authentically and responsibly. It has to be responsibly because Saturn's in the mix. But it also has to be authentically because Uranus is in the mix. And that authenticity needs to reflect your spiritual values because Neptune's in the mix. So keep pursuing astrology and keep pursuing medicine and have faith that if other people's judgments get in the way of your opportunities, that you can cope with that. And if it doesn't get in the way of your opportunities, it only gets in the way of your own mental health then that is the assignment. The assignment is to understand that you are many things. I know that making a Harry Potter reference is really complicated. J.K. Rowling is a turf, and fuck that. And also, the quickest way and the easiest way for me to say this is, you got strong Hermione vibes over here. You know what I mean? Like, you really do. You've got strong magic in you, and you're also wanting to take a very kind of uh, heady academic conventional route of medicine. So accept that you are all the things and that not everyone's going to like all the things. <laughs> that's just not what's going to happen in life. And that's okay. If other people are going to reject you or judge you, eh, that's on them. Don't you reject you. Don't you ruin your life today because someone may judge you tomorrow. You know what I mean? All this news about online companies taking advantage of their users is really demoralizing. That's why I want to tell you about Fight for the Future. They're a group of artists, engineers, and technologists who've powered the largest online protests in human history, defending our most basic rights in the digital age. They fight for a future where technology is a force for liberation, empowerment, and free expression rather than oppression, tyranny, and corruption. To support their work and learn more about what they do, go to fightforthefuture.org. That's fightforthefuture.org. So it's Scorpio season. How are you feeling? Like, how are you actually feeling? Almost every week in 2021, I have been talking to you about the Saturn-Uranus square. Maybe I've, I've laid off talking about it in the past couple few weeks, but, you know, Recently, somewhere in my social media feed, this concept of the pandemic flux syndrome, which is not like an official syndrome, it's something that researchers are using as opposed to psychologists, from my understanding. But this idea of a pandemic flux syndrome is really in reference to how difficult it is to be in such a state of uncertainty and unpredictability around the pandemic and the cascade 
of effects that a global pandemic has. And of course, as an astrologer, I call it the Saturn-Uranus square. And if you've been listening to the podcast all year, you know that I have been speaking all year about how this transit challenges infrastructure. It, in fact, kind of reveals ways in which we need to change and update our infrastructure. And that goes for your sense of reality, how you manage your life, you know, really deep inner personal shit. But it also has to do with like roads and gas and electric and, you know, governments and stuff like that. So we can look at it from a systems perspective, socially, politically, and very personally. And more psychologically, which really, you know, this transit is very difficult psychologically, it upends our sense of reality and our sense of certainty around things that we have historically been really certain of. It creates a lot of tension in the mental health. And for many people, that becomes tension within our bodies. It becomes problems at work or problems in our relationships. In other words, what's happening deep within you, what's happening for you psychologically and emotionally, inevitably impacts the rest of your life. It changes things. It's really quite difficult. And, you know, I've been kind of referring to how it's not over in 2021. And here's here's the true story. It's not totally over until November of 2022. So listen, this transit will be really active through January of 2022. Uh, then it goes out of orb for a while. So in parts of 2022, we will not have the transit active. But then it comes back really close to exact in October, I believe October 4th of 2022. And then it moves out of orb sometime in November of 2022. And so what does this mean? <laughs> uh, it means this shit is not going to end quickly. It's not going to end soon. I mean, you know, for some people, the idea of this lasting for only one more year might not sound like a long time. And for other people, it may sound epic. But here's something real practical and pragmatic. I want to get practical and pragmatic because you know that's how I like to do things. Stop waiting for the pandemic to be over. Accept that this is life now and not forever, but this is life now. Because what happens is when you're struggling against what is, I don't like this pandemic. This pandemic is bad. It should be over by now. It's not over because of these people or those situations, whatever it is that your narrative is. When you are in a state of struggling against what is and not accepting it, it's really hard to orient yourself in a healthy way. It's hard to have healthy strategies if you're not able to accept what is actively present now. So step one, my friends, is get present. Stop waiting for the pandemic to be over. It is not over. There are new strains that are emerging. And I don't want to suggest that this transit is exclusive to the pandemic. It's not. <laughs> but the pandemic is a major player because it is impossible to completely escape it or evade it. It is having major consequences globally. We're continuing to see the infrastructure in cities, in governments, uh, in corporations, in the internet, and all of these things struggle under the weight of time and current pressures. We're also expecting to see 
record shortages of goods and shipping delays, right? And this is not divorced from COVID, but it is not exclusively because of COVID. The volatile political and social time that we're living in globally, it's stressful. It's a lot. And it is testing our mental health. It's testing our ability to stay present and associated, which isn't always necessary. You don't always have to be present or associated. But because this transit is a couple years long, yeah, you need to be able to sometimes uh, be flexible in how you show up and how you self-care. And so this is a time where I want to remind you to use the tools of astrology and any other kind of predictive tools, not just to try to predict what will happen. Once we have a sense of the energies at play, once we have a sense of what can happen, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we want to use tools like astrology to inspire us to create the future we want based on a realistic acceptance of where we are right now. Prediction, it's cool, man, but it's way more useful to use astrology and similar predictive tools to motivate you to create the life and world that you want to live in. This is incredibly difficult. This transit is difficult. This period is difficult. This assignment is difficult, but it's the assignment nonetheless. This is a fun little thing that you can do. It is free. It is simple. And you can feel free to adjust it in a way that works for you. Schedule a time. Just put a reminder in your phone or your calendar, whatever you use, once a month. Schedule time. It can be 30 minutes. It can be two hours where you check in with yourself and you check in with yourself about your boundaries. Because as I like to assert, your boundaries are your responsibility. As much as we want other people to respect our boundaries and support us with our boundaries, ultimately, it's unrealistic to expect that people and circumstances can or will do this all the damn time. That's on us to check in with our boundaries, to refine them, to be flexible with them when needed, and to be firm with them when needed. So you're going to check in with your boundaries on these four tips. One, COVID stuff. Are you aware? Are you informed? Are you taking care of yourself, your family, your community? In what ways does that need to adjust, if any? And this includes, of course, your mental health, right? The second thing to check in around is social media. What's your social media consumption like? Are you following accounts that make you feel like shit about yourself? Are you using it to distract yourself from real life in a way that is helping you? Are you using it in a way to distract yourself from real life that is actually harming you or keeping you stuck? Just check in with your social media use and make sure that whatever boundaries you set the month before, you're honoring. And if not, see if you need to adjust them. The next thing to check in with is self-care and general coping skills. Because of the length and intensity of the period we're living in, it's not enough to power through and it's not enough to pretend that everything's going to be fine next month. This level of strain is so hard on our nervous systems. And on top of it, the collective stress or the morphic field of stress and uncertainty, it's a huge load to carry. And that's in addition to whatever is happening in your own life. So check in with. Have you figured out a couple things you can do to honor and care for yourself, to manage your mental and emotional health? And are you actually doing them? And if you find the answer is no, maybe you adjust the things that you're setting out for yourself, make them smaller, but more achievable. 
And then the final thing to check in with is your relationships. This period is stressful and it's having a major impact on our interpersonal and professional relationships because everyone's dealing with the stress really differently. A lot of people have a lot less energy for some bullshit that they could put up with in pre-pandemic times. And that's okay. It's not awesome, but it's okay. None of this is about major action, right? None of this is about creating a massive tumult in your life every month. It's simply about checking in. So basically what I'm trying to get you to do here is to use the Uranus-Saturn square in a way that is helpful and sustainable, right? You don't want to like micromanage yourself day to day. But if you know that once a month or so, you have a check-in scheduled with yourself to see how am I taking care of myself? How am I engaging with my own goals and my own boundaries? This can be really helpful so you don't go too far in a self-destructive or self-evasive direction, right? And that brings us to your goddamn horoscope, what you came here for. This week, we are looking at the astrology of October 24th through the 30th of 2021. Ah, okay. So the first transit of this week is exact on the 26th of October. You're going to be feeling it throughout the week. This is a Venus square to Neptune. This is an uncomfortable transit, if I'm being honest. It's nothing like the Pluto shit from the week previous, thankfully. This transit can put a lot of pressure on relationship stuff, body image stuff, money problems, lots of uncomfortable things for people on a good day. Venus is our relationships, right? It's our social connections and it's our sensual connections. And Neptune is idealistic and devotional and has a really difficult time with any kind of sharp edges, any kind of conflict or difficulties. When Venus forms a square to Neptune, there's a real risk of us wanting things to be ideal and perfect and being devotional even when we have no evidence that things are ideal or perfect and that any person has, you know, earned our devotion. Venus squared to Neptune can represent a time where your relationships just feel off to you. You may feel really anxious or a little paranoid or just like you don't belong and you don't quite know how to connect with people in a way that feels good. Unfortunately, because of Neptune's influence, this may incline you to want to act like you feel like you belong, act like you think something's funny when you don't. It can have you basically being fake and not from any kind of nefarious motivations, but out of insecurity or anxiety. And so what's really important is to consider your boundaries during this period. And this period is this week and especially on and around this day, the 26th. Consider your boundaries first with yourself and then with others. You know, this is not a good time to sacrifice yourself for someone else, even though you may want to. This is not a great time for bartering yourself or paying more than something's worth. Actually, very physically, like when it comes to money and certainly socially and interpersonally. And that might mean having to make a choice that actually makes you feel more lonely and more disconnected. But not all pain is to be avoided, my loves. There's the pain of abandoning yourself, of sacrificing yourself unnecessarily, of being harmed or harming yourself. 
And then there is the pain of making a difficult choice that cuts through our patterns and brings us to greater healing. And that pain can hurt more than, you know, the pain of our shitty and maladjusted patterns. It's not about how much pain we feel. It's about what's underneath it. The pain of healing is worth experiencing. And the pain of being broken or breaking down is not inherently bad. I mean, it certainly can be, but it's not always. And so this week, and certainly around this transit, you want to be careful. Be careful to the best of your ability that you're not evading pain, jumping away from pain without first evaluating what it's about and whether or not it has a larger purpose. And I want to say for anyone who has a tendency in this direction or is in a relationship where this is a pattern, I am not saying walk into the same wall over and over again for someone and call it healing. That shit, that's not healing. That's your pattern. What I'm saying is if you have a habit of walking into a wall for someone, this is the time to consider sitting your butt down and not doing it and dealing with the pain of whatever happens for not participating in the dynamic in a way that is consistent with your pattern. It's hard. And you know, so many of us, what we want is we want there to be a simple, easy answer. Should I stay? Should I go? Am I right? Am I wrong? Astrology and life isn't like that. We have to do the work to assess our values, our boundaries, our participation, And that's sticky and nuanced and it takes time and we will fail. You will fail. I will fail. We will all make mistakes. And it's important to have the ability or at least the willingness to be present for those mistakes so that we can learn from them and keep on moving or not, as it were, as it were. Now, more about this Venus squared to Neptune. This can be a time where we see some sort of uh, terrible spike in propaganda or disinformation and misinformation. Ditto with the spread of pretty much anything, and that does include COVID. So you definitely want to, uh, if you're having a feeling, if you're in like a a group situation with other human people with faces and lungs and noses, uh, and you're feeling uncomfortable, you know, take care of yourself, do what you got to do. Venus squared and Neptune can also influence us around body image stuff. So this is where if you have any predisposition to disordered eating or a disordered relationship to your meat suit, Neptune can kind of turn up the volume on that because Neptune ultimately is made of fog. It is spiritual in nature. So it has a difficult time being in this physical reality, whereas Venus is all about physical reality. And so This is a difficult transit, and it's also an opportunity for you to ground yourself into your values, right? Like what is actually important to you, and then fortify those values through your spiritual convictions. Values, Venus, ideals, spiritual convictions, Neptune. In this way, you can achieve healing through this transit, but unfortunately, in order to heal your issues, they need to get triggered and lit up. Good news. Neptune's going to light up your issues. Bad news, you got to choose to deal with it. And it's hard. And again, we're not seeking perfection, only progress. Now, one more thing I want to say about this transit is about money. Venus squared to Neptune is one of those transits that makes us want to buy some happy. And well, you can buy some pleasure, but not true happiness. I would advise you around this date to be somewhat conservative with what you spend your money on. 
This is a transit where we're more likely to be careless with our resources. So that is about money, but it's not exclusive to money. And this is not a great time for it because there might be long-term consequences. And certainly you're not likely to be seeing things super clearly. So be somewhat conservative with your finances. If you see something that you're like, oh my God, I have to have this and it's expensive. I don't know. Pause. Wait. See if you can wait 72 hours. If it's gone, well, you probably weren't meant to have it. But this is not a great time to buy things out of scarcity. It's just not a great time for buying big purchases. If you've got to do it, if you really want to do it, go for it. But this is something to be on the lookout. Again, especially if you have any kind of like shopaholic style tendencies. Now, on the 28th, we have another exact transit. This time it's between Venus and Jupiter and it's a sextile. So this Venus sextile to Jupiter is a lovely transit. Unfortunately, because it's overlapping with the Venus square to Neptune, it can kind of have a really positive impact or a really negative impact. And let's start with the negative one. So the negative side of this Venus sextile to Jupiter in context of Venus square to Neptune is that it can incline us to want to get along at all costs, to want to pretend that things are okay when they're not. And this can incline us to, you know, spending money we shouldn't be spending, disassociating in a variety of ways, investing in relationships that don't make us feel good about who we are, but are in some way easy or we think are important to us around status or something like that. The Venus sextile to Jupiter can egg you on around any kind of disordered body image stuff if you stay on the surface of things. So this is the key here. If you're feeling anxious this week in general, and certainly the 26th, 27th, and 28th, uh, what I want to encourage you to do is just slow down. Like if you're at work, go to the damn bathroom, turn off your phone, turn off your computer, you know, for a minute, just slow down and get present and check in with yourself. Is the thing you're fixating on, is the thing that's really capturing your emotions, are you orienting yourself around that thing in a way that reflects your values? Or have you lost track of yourself in some way? Just ask the question, check the answer. Because if you've lost track of yourself, then you're unfortunately most likely to be dealing with the worst of this transit. Now, let's get to the best. Now, the Venus sextile to Jupiter is just a great transit on its own. It's wonderful for socializing, feeling good in your body, feeling resilient in your body, having a kind of broad-minded view of your finances or your relationships. This is a great time for meeting people and having lovely connections. Now, again, all of this is mitigated by the fact that Venus is square to Neptune and that transit is overlapping. But what it can do is it can really fortify us in connecting with our values, acting in a way that reflects our values, in finding the helpers, to quote uh, ye old Mr. Rogers. And there are always helpers around. Maybe you're the damn helper. The key here is to be open to healing, to be open to things progressing. And that is a really beautiful thing. And if you have a kind of optimistic nature, it's not going to be that hard for you to try to do. And if you have more of a pessimistic nature or you're just going through a rough time, that might be a little bit harder. I personally, not an optimist. In fact, I don't want to brag, but I'm a card-carrying pessimist. That said, when we cannot be optimistic, we can always be constructive. 
this set of transits is an opportunity to really clarify for yourself where you're at in relationship to any one of the themes I've named. The potential for healing and generating a a kind of more expansive perspective and even fortifying yourself around any of those themes, it's really strong, but it will take intention and care. And this, my friends, brings us to the final transit of this week. And this one is uh, unfortunately a boner killer. And those who use Astrology for Days, my transit tracking app, which of course you can get by going to astrologyfordays.com, and also long-term listeners of the podcast know that when I tell you it's going to be a boner killer, that means Saturn's involved. We've got an exact square between the sun and Saturn on the 30th. We're going to be feeling it the 29th through the 31st. Yes, if you are a fan of Halloween, uh, unfortunately, there's a bit of a bummer transit happening on Halloween. Sun square to Saturn is a kind of stressful transit. The identity and the will and that place inside of us that wants to be seen, the sun, is forming a tense 90 degree angle to Saturn, the planet that wants everyone to fall in line, that wants everything to have order and meaning and tends towards conservatism. It tends towards heaviness and restriction. The sun doesn't like being restricted. And then Saturn, Saturn's like, oh, well, that means you probably need to be restricted. Saturn. So what does it mean? It means you may be feeling kind of heavy and down. Saturn governs depression. So you may have depressive thoughts and feelings. And this is just totally normal. When the sun forms a square to Saturn is a time when either you're going to feel like you just don't have the bones to get up and get shit done, or it can make you feel incredibly motivated and like you you have the energy you need to organize and to kind of get to the details of things. Saturn is associated with the nitty gritty of things. And so if you've got an inbox that's needing your attention or something else that you've just been kind of putting off because it's a bit tedious, this transit is actually really great for tending to those things. Unfortunately, not everybody experiences Saturn transits in this particular way, and you may or you may not. Uh, This would be the definition of a no-bones day, my friends. And of course, Saturn governs our bones, uh, our teeth, our bones, all the structural stuff inside of us. It also, you know, governs our epidermis, the organ of our skin, the stuff that keeps uh, all of our juices and goo on the inside. Oh, Saturn, we need Saturn. So don't fear Saturn, but know that if your ego has been out of whack, this transit may bring you a little bit of a, uh, a cause for some humble pie. This transit can be quite humbling. That's because Saturn is always testing our integrity or character. That's just classic Saturn shit right there. And again, the sun is the identity. So if you're out of alignment with yourself, yeah, this transit can kind of hand you your ass. But don't worry about it. If your ass is handed to you, then you need your ass in hand, my friend. That's just how that goes. If you're feeling low, if you're feeling down, don't worry. This transit is 72 hours. It's not terribly long, but there is a value to the transit. You may need to adjust how you engage with your own emotions and psychology and being patient with yourself, being spacious with yourself may be the answer. Or you may need to get to fucking work. You may need to pull yourself up and get some shit done. Only you can know that. 
there's not a single way that it impacts us because we're all individuals living our individual lives in the ways of our birth chart. So it's important for you to question, you know, what is it that I need here? Because it's easy to tell yourself, I need to keep pressing on or I need a longer break, depending on your nature. But this transit is absolutely asking us to question our assumptions and to look at our relationship to how we manage our lives and ourselves. No matter what, we may be feeling kind of this heaviness that is classic of Saturn. And it's hard work. That hard work for you can look like learning how to relax or it can look like having to do more and get shit dealt with. Either way, it tends to be a little bit hard. And a helpful way of engaging with this energy if you're dealing with the worst of it is to not over-identify with it. All transits ebb and flow. All transits come and go. This is happening for a reason. And that reason may be really clear to you and it may not be. But in either case, there is something to be learned from it. There's always something to be learned from Saturn. And if you're willing to figure out what that thing is or to be in process with yourself, then you'll get so much more value out of it. Now, I know a lot of people like to party on Halloween. Uh, nah, it's, not, it's not the greatest for that. And uh, if you are somebody who does spiritual work on Samhain or Halloween, then this is actually a really uh, important time for that. The sun squared to Saturn can be very good for connecting to elders and ancestors. It can be very good for getting grounded and doing spiritual work without losing yourself. So whatever it is that you do on the spiritual front on and around this date, I want to remind you to not forget to ground first. It's very important. And if you are at all energetically sensitive, or if you're a medium, this is certainly a time where we have a lot of dead. We got a lot of dead. You know, we're in a global pandemic. And it's an important time to remember boundaries. Luckily, the sun square to Saturn can be quite good for boundaries as long as we don't slip into Saturn's rigidity. Because when our boundaries are too rigid, when they're not flexible at all, uh, they don't tend to serve us that well. So this is an important time for energetic as well as interpersonal and behavioral boundaries. And if you're calling in any kind of meaningful spiritual work, this is like triply important. Now, my loves, that's your horoscope. I'm going to run through it real quick. On the 26th, we have an exact square from Venus to Neptune. On the 28th, we have an exact sextile from Venus to Jupiter. And then on the 30th, we have an exact sun square to Saturn. If you're trying to get more spiritual, if you're trying to learn tarot, astrology, if you want to talk about uh, dead people and animal communication, join me over on Patreon where that conversation's happening all the damn time. Uh, and I really love it. And also, if you're interested in taking a class with me, I do have some classes that you can get audio or video on my website. But also, I'm teaching a class on the 12th house, the most misunderstood house in astrology, IMO. And uh, you can register for it. The link is in show notes. It's happening on November 6th. Uh, and if you can't make it because of time zones or whatever, you can always just register and have the video sent to you. Because who doesn't want to learn about the 12th house in a way that is actually applicable to their damn lives? Uh, I'm guessing people who don't care about the 12th house, but everyone else, I hope to see you there. As always, I thank you for joining me 
for Ghost of a Podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do. It makes such a big difference. If you have questions for the podcast about astrology, Lawu, or anything else going on for you, you can send them to me. Just go to ghostofapodcast.com. Take good care of yourself, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. 